16. You've got some decisions ahead of you, don't you? Some of you have some big ones. You know what they are. They're on the horizon. Uh, some of you uh, will have decisions, many of us, that we have no idea that we're going to have to make. We don't know what, what uh, this year unfolds. There are some in our midst who have made some big decisions recently. Lee White. Amy. <laughs> Congratulations. An engagement. There they are. I was looking for you. And also, uh, Caitlin Bikey and Eric Delster. Are you guys with us uh, over here? Yeah, congratulations. So uh, just the uh, beginning of a lot more decisions to make, right? <laughs> a lot of decisions. Well, congratulations to you all. It's an exciting time. Uh, we don't know what this year will bring, but we do, as believers, want to think about, as we begin this year, how to make wise decisions. Now, for some of you, just the thought of talking about a decision is making you a little nervous. Some of you struggle with decisions. Some of you right now, if I say, where are you going to have lunch when this service is over? You're already thinking, I have no idea. I don't know. You decide. Let someone else decide, right? You just don't know. It just makes you anxious to think about even the little ones. Well, sometimes within the, within the Christian life, we make decision-making a little more difficult than it needs to be. I hope this week and next week, this has ended up being a two-part message, I hope that, this, that these two weeks will bring some clarity, will bring some encouragement to you as you make decisions, not just in 2016, but as you walk with the Lord uh, in, in, in any year as you move forward. And I, I realize we have a lot of young people that are in, the, in this service as well. And I, I really hope that, that this week and next that you'll just really get plugged in on, on what we're looking at from the Word of God. Look at these scriptures with me. Uh, give thought because who of us does not want to live in the will of God? We all want to be a part of His will. We all want to make decisions that glorify Him. And uh, it's one of the biggest questions that, that really we are faced with. Um, a few years ago, there was a survey done uh, on uh, asking people what they most wanted to learn about in the Christian walk. 5,000 people were surveyed, and the second, the number two on the list was, how can I find God's will for my life? Now, the, the first response uh, uh, is somewhat related. It was about prophecy. But you think about all the different things people could ask about that they want to know. The idea of how can I know God's will for my life rates up right there near the top. And it's one of those questions that, that if we're not careful, it can even paralyze us. We can begin to think and overthink and, 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 and make a decision only to pull it back or, or, or wring our hands wondering which way to go. And yet, in God's Word, I believe we will see this week and, Lord willing, next week, that there is a process that we can employ. There is a way that we can approach decisions that will give us more freedom, will give us more assurance and allow us to see that God is, is at work in leading us to make wise decisions on a regular basis and that it's not a game in which we're playing with Him in which we, we feel as if we're looking for things or that He's, he's trying to hide things from us. Uh, so oftentimes within the, 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 the context in which we look at things, we can, we can, we can make it uh, overly complicated. The main point for today and, and also for next week is that God... Being a good heavenly father, he teaches his children how to make wise decisions. And so we want to be thinking about that uh, this week, looking to see how can we learn 
to make these wise decisions. Let me start with a quote from Greg Kokel. He's with a ministry called Stand to Reason. And if you're familiar with his work, uh, he's, he's primarily engaged in, in an apologetics ministry, thinking about defending the faith and, and using uh, one's mind and engaging issues of the culture. And it, it really makes sense that he would also talk about decision making, because we should use our minds. We should apply biblical wisdom to the decisions that we make. And this is how this is how he states it. He says, no issue is more important for practical day to day Christian living than making decisions based on the will of God. No issue is filled with more confusion, misinformation, mistaken proof texting, and even downright superstition than knowing God's will. Few things are as misunderstood, I believe, as the role of the Holy Spirit in making decisions. End quote. That's what he thinks. And I think that, that if we were to, to consider this idea of knowing God's will and making decisions, that a lot of us would resonate with that statement. That yes, it is difficult. We've made, we've, we've at times have made it too difficult. At times we've, we've, we've struggled in knowing how and when to, to press forward in a decision. And so I hope that what we look at will bring about added clarity. Doesn't mean that it will take all of that away. But hopefully it will, it will, it will put us in a, in a framework that we can, that we can look at that might be a little different than the way we look at it today. In fact, you may be challenged today and next week about the way you view God's will. You may be challenged in, in ways in which you have looked at making a decision. And I just, I, I told the first service this and, I, and I'll tell you as well, I think it's okay for us to be challenged. From time to time and to think things from a a little different perspective, as long as it's coming out of the word of God, which is what our desire will be, uh, of course, as we as we look at this. There are a few resources that I want to recommend to you, and I also want to share them with you at the beginning because I've drawn heavily uh, from a couple of them. And so I want to give credit to where that is due. And the first one, of course, is from Greg Kokel. I just shared a, a quote from him, Stand to Reason Ministry. You can see it at str.org. And he has put together uh, uh, a little booklet, and it's actually a three-part series uh, on a, on a uh, CD or MP3, which is called Decision Making and the will of God. And so I would, I would highly recommend this. The, uh, the PDF file that, uh, that accompanies it is, is, is rather lengthy, but a lot of good information there uh, by, uh, by Greg Kokel. Uh, the second one that I want to mention is a book by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something. And uh, this, this guy is a pastor in a big college city in Michigan. And, uh, and he has a lot of young people in his congregation that are, that are perplexed about life. What should my major be? What job does God want me to do? Should I date? Who should I marry? What, 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 what does God have in store for my life? And so he's talking with young people so frequently about these things that he wrote a book. I think it's about a hundred, 130 pages maybe it's not very long but it's it's an excellent resource and it's one that i that i've read and have drawn from um, the title is just do something but here's the subtitle a liberating approach to finding god's will how many of us would not want a liberating approach something to to bring sense to to uh, to understanding his will now he has a bit of a sense of humor in the way he writes and so he has another subtitle which you can probably see there this is what it says 
says how to make a decision without dreams, visions, fleeces, impressions, open doors, random Bible verses, casting lots, liver shivers, writing in the sky, etc. Now, you know, he's he's uh, he's uh, trying to uh, to be uh, humorous there. But isn't that also somewhat true? Don't we at times look for these special signs as a way to to know what to do because we feel as if we we are we are stuck on a decision? Well, there's a there's got to be a better way. Uh, the one other resource I want to mention, and I, I've not quoted as much from it in, in this message today, but it was uh, the first book that I read about God's will. It's one that my mom gave to me when I was young, and it's simply called Found God's Will. And it introduced to me just a, a, a very freeing paradigm of making choices that are not contrary to Scripture, that glorify God, and then there's freedom in making decisions. Uh, because as a young, a young person, I was just so sure that God had something very specific and exacting that I had to figure out. And that if I, if I missed it, that I'd mess up the whole thing. You know, kind of like one of those, anybody ever read the Choose Your Own Adventure books? Anybody else read those? Okay, you know, you read to a certain part and then it's like, okay, you know, which way are you going to go? If you're going to go this way, you go to this page. Or if you're going to go the other way, you go to the other page. And, you know, what if you go to the wrong page, right? And you end up messing the whole thing up. I kind of viewed that life might be like that. That I could just really make a whole mess of things if I wasn't careful. Which, obviously, in, in, uh, in reality, we can make poor decisions. But it's very freeing to know that God equips us to give us wisdom, to give us latitude in making decisions. And so that's, that's part of what I found in reading that book. And would, again, it's not very long, but it's, a, it's an excellent resource as well. For the follower of Christ, the, 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 the idea to make a decision relates very closely to our desire to want to be in God's will. How many of us want to be in God's will? How many of us want to know that we are living our lives in such a way that we are, that we are, that we are making a difference in the kingdom? How many of us want to say, we have been given this life and we want to use this life as an opportunity Day by day to make a difference. That we don't want to just be status quo. We don't want to just see things pass us by. We want to be involved. We want to be in the middle of what God has in store. Yet oftentimes we misunderstand God's will. Or we make it more difficult than it needs to be. And so this morning I want us to begin by giving attention to what the will of God is. And there are some things this morning that we will look at that if you are struggling with what the will of God is in particular areas of your life, that you'll be able to go to this and say, okay, well, at least I know part of it. I know part of God's will because it very specifically says right here out of Scripture that this is God's will. And so maybe it will help with some of those other areas that aren't as clear. But I I think it's important for us to start with an understanding, a right understanding of God's will as it is uh, explained in Scripture. And then we're going to close our time by looking at a couple of models. If you were to have a model on how you would make a decision, what might that framework look like? And I'm going to share what I think is a piece of what it typically looks like 
in the life of the believer. And then as we move into next week, we're going to look at a model that I think will be helpful for you and uh, maybe very freeing as you consider making decisions. So that's where we're going. Again, I, I intended it to be just one standalone message, but there's just too much here. And I think it's too important of a topic. Particularly as I look around this room and I see all of the young people. We've got college students that are back on break. And I, I just think this is, this is so important. But it's, it's not just for that stage of life. Because as you think about it, you know, yes, young people have some very big decisions that they make. In fact, some of the biggest decisions that a person will make in a lifetime uh, oftentimes are made before the age of 25, right? But there are other decisions as you move through, through life. Is this the job I should have? Is this the house that we should buy? Is this, is this the church we should attend? Is this the ministry I should be involved in? Is it time to retire? Should I even retire? If I retire, what do I do with the time? What does God intend for me to do during this time? So all the way through life, we are faced with these decisions. And so I hope that this will be a time that will give uh, some, uh, some clarity to that. Let's first of all define God's will. We're going to look at it from three different perspectives. We're going to spend most of our time on the second one, but we will look at it from three different perspectives. The first one is this. God has a will of decree. It means that there is a part of God's will that is decreed. That He has said it, He has planned it, He's going to do it, and no one's going to thwart it. That He is a creator God, and He is the creator of the universe, and He has a will that has been established, and He is going to do it because... He is in charge. Let me ask you, is it good news that God is in charge? Aren't you glad to know that we serve a God that is is so great and so powerful that, that He can make things happen? He has done that. And He continues to do that. There's a lot of passages we could look at. We could look at the first chapter of Ephesians. We could look at the ninth chapter of Romans. The fourth chapter of Daniel. But I want to ask you to look at Isaiah 46. In fact, these are... A couple of verses that we'll have up on the screen for you. Um, Isaiah 46, verses 9, the end of 9 and end verse 10. It says, I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand And I will accomplish all my purpose. This is the kind of God that we serve. One who is in charge, who has a plan, who has a design, who is able to see things that have not yet happened as if they have. Because He's causing them. He's bringing them about. And this is part of His decreed will. Now, for us, oftentimes we can understand this not by looking ahead, but by looking behind. And we can look back in our life. And we can say, we recognize God was at work, that He was arranging circumstances. We can recognize that He was putting things into place. And looking back, we can see His plan unfolded as He decreed or as He directed. But oftentimes as humans, what does the beginning of, or the, the, the middle of verse 9 say? I am God and there is none like me. We can't look at the future as if it's already happened. Because we don't know what the future holds. Yet, oftentimes, we feel as if we can't make a decision until we know what's going to happen. 
But that's God's, that's in God's territory. That's His turf, not ours. So it's important for us to first of all realize that He is a sovereign God who is in charge, who does have a plan, and that He will unfold for us. The second part of His will is the one that we're going to spend a little more time on, and that's God's will of desire. The first part talks about what He's doing. The second part talks about what He wants us to do. What He wants to do in us and through us. What does He desire for people who call on His name? Those of us who say we are followers of Christ. What does that mean? What does He desire for us? That's part of God's will of desire. So if the will of decree is how things are, the will of desire is how things ought to be. It's the pattern for Christian living. In fact, if you read some of the other authors, they will use this category of God's will and describe it as God's moral will, his moral will. But uh, but here we're, we're calling it his will of desire. What does he desire? Now, I realize that when we get into this discussion, it raises the question, how can we understand God's decreed will and think about his sovereignty alongside What he wants us to do. Our responsibility. Have you ever had that struggle internally? Trying to to put together that God is sovereign and yet we are still responsible beings that he's been he gives us uh, he gives us choice he gives us uh, the the uh, the ability to to obey or to disobey have you ever have you ever wondered about that has anybody else has anybody figured out the answer to that question on reconciling God's sovereignty with human responsibility that's a tough one isn't it well it relates to decision making as well and so we see it even as we think about about God's will because God clearly affirms uh, both sides of this in fact In his book that I referenced, Kevin DeYoung said it this way. We are under his sovereignty, but we are not free from responsibility for our actions. Both sides of God's will are in Scripture. God's will of decree, what he has predetermined from eternity past, cannot be thwarted. God's will of desire, the way he wants us to live, cannot be disregarded. So we're going to spend some time looking at this from several passages. And typically I like to take one passage of Scripture for us to spend most of our time just going through that verse by verse. Today's going to be a little different. We're going to look at, 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 at several passages. And so if you want to get uh, your Bibles open and be ready, we're going to start in 1 John chapter 2. Uh, if you want to get, if, if, uh, if you have an app, if you have an iPad, if you have a way of being able to, to, to navigate different verses, we're going to look at several. And I hope these will be some that you'll be able to go back to as we think specifically about the will of God. And then we'll move to how that affects making decisions. First John chapter two, beginning in verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Look at verse 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. There's that phrase, the will of God. How is... The Apostle John, describing 
the will of God in the context of this passage. He is making a contrast between the way in which the world lives, thinks, what it values. He's making a contrast from worldliness to those who have been changed. Those who have been made new in Christ. And he says, we have been called not to live as the world lives, but we've been called to live in a different way. And I asked the first service, and I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask you guys the same thing. Do, do you recognize that, that when we become a Christian, that we have been called away from the, the, the way of the world, and we've been given a new way in which to live, a new way in which to think? A new way in which we we value things. In fact, sometimes you can see the contrast from that which is temporal to that which is eternal. Or maybe you could describe the contrast by saying that before before I knew Christ, I was purely living for myself, for what I wanted and what, what I thought I needed, my own personal satisfaction. But now that I'm in Christ, I live for His glory. And it impacts the way that I relate to others and serve others and assist others. That's that contrast. And so so John is saying that it's God's will that we not live like the world lives. Or that we don't live like the way we used to live. That in coming to, to Christ, there is an ongoing transformation that's happening. That there is growth, there's development. And this is part of what God wants us to have, to to uh to to, to be changing both in our desires, our focus, but also in the way in which we live. So that's the contrast, and it connects to the will of God. The next one is in Hebrews. I invite your attention over to Hebrews chapter 13. And uh, this is a very practical portion of Scripture. If you read through this chapter, there's just one statement after the other of of practical ways to apply uh, God's Word. And this one also speaks about knowing and doing the will of God. So it, 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 uh, it helps us with our decision making. Look at verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, verse 21, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here we see again that that God is expressing that he has a will for us to do what is pleasing in his sight. That there is this change that's that's taken place. And so we see once again the idea of God's will being something that happens by growing in our knowledge of Him and being equipped by Him to do that which He calls us to. Let's look at another passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, it's interesting because so oftentimes we pray to know God's will and... 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, starts off by saying, For this is the will of God. So if we're looking for something very clear uh, uh, in in terms of His will, uh, we see it here in verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So, God has placed a high value on what we become. 
as his children. Now, I know that there's probably some unrest in the congregation right now. You're thinking, when are we going to get to the decisions? When are we going to get to whether or not I should marry this person or take this job or buy this house or sell this car? What about the nitty-gritty? Well, in order to be able to get to that part, we have to understand that God is wanting to do a change within us. He's very concerned about who we are. And then that leads us to what we do. But we can't short-circuit it. We can't just jump right into making those decisions. We have to be concerned about who we are in Him. And this, this verse uses the word sanctification, which simply means being set apart, being, being, being uh, um, set apart for Him in a different way than, than, uh, than, than living for the world, that we are set apart for Him, that we are growing. You can see the, 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 the growth that happens. And if you look at the beginning of chapter 4, you see what leads up to it. And I hope that as we read this, this chapter, that some of you will be affirmed in the way that you're living and say, this is part of God's will for my life and the decisions that I'm making the sanctification, the purity. We're called to, to live holy lives. That doesn't mean that we'll be perfect, because as humans, we, we always will struggle. We will always have temptation. But there's this idea that there's growth that is happening. There's progression in our, in our Christian journey. And this is what we see described here. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you're called to be different. You're called to to have a different way of living because of your walk with Jesus. It even talks about the purity that we have. Look at what it says in the middle of verse 3. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. Therefore... Whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. Those are some pretty strong words, aren't they? That God God means business when He says we've been set apart to live differently than the pattern of the world. And isn't that a challenge, day by day, to live a life that's different? We're drawn into the thinking of the world, the pleasures of the world, the values of the world, the temptations of the world. And you realize you look at something like pornography, and that was something that, that, that 20 years ago people, people didn't have as easy of, of, of access to as they do today. Had to go to, to, uh, uh, to, to different locations to find places to purchase it or whatever. Well, now it's as close as someone's mobile phone, right? It's everywhere. We're being inundated with impure thinking. And so that's a challenge for us as men and women. It's a challenge for us as young people to to try to look at a passage like that and say, you know what? God's will is for me to live by a different pattern 
a different way than the way that the world lives. So I hope, again, that there are some here today who are affirmed by this. You're saying, okay, God's affirming that that I'm trying to live in such a manner to grow in my walk with God, in my sanctification. But I know that there's probably others here that are saying, you know what? I'm not there. I've been pulled into the thinking and the actions of the world. And I want to plead with you. Turn from that. Don't get tricked. Don't get lured. Don't get pulled in to that way of thinking. Because that is the way that the adversary is trying to take you down. And so here we see a word of protection coming to us from the Word of God saying, make this a priority. Make it part of your life and not disregard it. So we see here in these passages that God's will is that we are to live differently. Now, we're talking about His desired will. We talked earlier about His will of decree, that He's going to make certain things happen. Here is what He desires for us. So we're, we're clearly in the realm of personal responsibility here. Let's look at one more. Colossians chapter 1. Look over at Colossians 1. Beginning in verse 9. It says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, right here, he is praying that these followers who live in Colossae, this church, that they would have a knowledge of his will, that they would have wisdom, that they would have understanding. We're going to look at that in greater detail next week. But the point here is that by his design, we are to possess wisdom and understanding so that we can do his will. We don't have to look at God's will as some kind of a, of a great big game in which we're playing hide and seek with God, where He's hiding things from us and we're trying to, to figure out all these mysteries. It's not that way. He wants it to be something that is, that is accessible, something that we can know and have confidence in. Let's continue reading in Colossians 1. Look at the middle part of verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. So you see, this is all part of what He said in verse 9, which would be His will for you. That this is part of what God intends for us to be filled uh, by His knowledge, by understanding where it is that, that He wants us to grow and to bear fruit. Again, we're seeing that God is preparing us to make wise decisions. He's developing us as followers of His Son to live by His Word. Well, this is all part of our Christian growth. So, we've been taking time to think about God's will of desire... Before that, his will of decree. But now we're getting to the part that, uh, that everyone's been, been, been thinking about, and that is God's will of direction. That's the, that's the part that we want to know about, right? A lot of time we're thinking and praying, God, show me what you want me to do with my life. Show me where to live, where to work, uh, all the different decisions that, that, that I have. Help me with the direction. And those are the questions that we seek when we seek his will of direction. We want to know. What plan that He has for us. And I want to begin by saying that I believe God does have a plan. 
We can look and we can see the provision that God has made to get us to where we are today. And so, therefore, with confidence, we can look ahead and say, I know that God will continue to provide and that He will continue to unfold His plan for me. Does that mean that I know every specific detail of that plan? Not necessarily. Doesn't mean that everything's revealed to us before we can make that decision. We have to use wisdom. We have to use God's Word in order to be able to move forward. If we are, if we are struggling with an understanding of how God guides us, we might make wrong decisions. Here's how J.I. Packer said it. He said, wrong ideas about God's guidance lead to wrong conclusions about the right thing to do. I told you that there's two models that are out there. Let me, let me briefly touch on these. The first one is the conventional model. It's the one where we as Christians oftentimes make statements like, God told me this. Or God confirmed that. Or there's been an open door here. Or I have a piece about this. Um, we have a lot of different statements that we use, don't we? I've made them. You've probably made them. We, we, we make these statements in, in trying to, to explain what we think we should do. But oftentimes these statements aren't helpful. Let me, let me, let me give an example. What if, what if someone says, well, well, God told me to go and do such and such. How are we... As friends, as, as uh, counselors, and if, if, if we're allowed to have that opportunity, how are we able to talk to someone about that? If they say, well, God told me this is what he wants me to do. Well, what if I'm looking at the situation and I see it a little differently? It's a pretty difficult thing to say, well, wait a minute. God might have said that, but this is what I'm saying, right? It's like we've laid down the trump card and said, God said this. And so it's like no more discussion, right? Because who of us wants to argue with God? Anybody want to do that? I, I don't want to do that. But yet I've had people make statements about decisions they were making by saying that God told them to do it. I've had others, and you've probably said this, I know I have, talk about the peace. I've just got a peace about this. Well, you know, how many of us have ever had a peace about something and then realized that it was the wrong decision? See, a feeling can be tricky. You know, even Jeremiah tells us that we have to be careful because, because our hearts are deceptive. Uh, that, that's not the only thing. In fact, I would say probably when Joseph Smith said that he had a word from God, that he would have also said that he had a peace about what he was offering to people, would you think? And maybe there are well-intentioned people that have a peace when they read the Book of Mormon. But does that mean that it's true? Does it mean that it's right? Does it mean that it's from God? No. These are subjective statements that can sometimes be made and can muddy the waters of trying to discern what God's will is. And we're going to be looking at that next week. We're going to be looking at some of these statements that we sometimes uh, use. And I'm, I'm going to call them into question because sometimes they're just not helpful. And they, 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 uh, they keep us from, from applying biblical wisdom and standards to decisions. Another one that we sometimes use is the, the idea of a, of a door being opened or closed. And I know we can find a proof text on that one. I, I, I recognize that out of the book of Acts. But is that necessarily a prescriptive verse to tell us to, to look for an open or closed door? Because sometimes there may be a door that closes. And on one side I might say, okay, that door closed. I shouldn't do that because God closed the door. Has anybody other than me said that before? What about if I walk away and I start thinking about it and I say, well, wait a minute. That Satan, that adversary of ours, maybe he's trying to prevent me from God's will. 
Maybe he's put a roadblock in front of me. Maybe it's not a closed door. Maybe it's something I'm supposed to just push right through. Well, now where am I? I'm in a dilemma, right? Because now I don't know if I should attribute this to, to God or to Satan. Now that sounds strange, doesn't it? But sometimes we're there because we're looking for this sixth sense to try to determine what we should do. I can't believe that I had one of these, but when I was a child, I had this little black eight ball. I'm sure my mom didn't give it to me. She was kind of think she would have probably uh, crushed. But anyway, I had this eight ball and I would I'd shake it. Do you remember? Do you remember do anybody else have one of those? And that thing would turn around. All of a sudden, something would, it must have had water. Something that would float up and it would kind of give you the answer. Sometimes our decision making is, is, uh, is kind of that way. In fact, I came across this little cartoon. Maybe you'll find it humorous. Man's praying, holding the magic eight ball, saying, please, Lord, help my magic eight ball to be accurate. <laughs> Aren't decisions hard? I came across this week in, the, in, in studying that the word decide comes from a Latin word, which is a compound word meaning to cut off. That sounds kind of harsh. But if you think about it, that's why decisions are so hard. Because when we get to that threshold, we say, okay, I'm in, I'm picking A, that means we are not picking B, C, or D. And just as soon as we pick A, what happens? We began wondering, maybe we should have picked B, right? Or C or D. That's the struggle because making a decision means we're cutting off other options. I referenced Kevin DeYoung's book and he has a uh, obituary, somewhat of an obituary printed in one of the chapters. Let me read it to you. Man, 91, dies waiting for will of God. Tupelo, Mississippi. Walter Houston described by family members as a devoted Christian, died Monday after waiting 70 years for God to give him clear direction about what to do with his life. He hung around the house and prayed a lot, but just never got that confirmation, his wife Ruby says. Sometimes he thought he heard God's voice, but then he wouldn't be so sure. And he'd start the process all over again. Houston, she says, never really figured out what his life was, was all about, but felt content to pray continuously about what he might do for the Lord. Whenever he was about to take action, though, he would pull back because he didn't want to disappoint God or go against him in any way, Miss Ruby says. He was very sensitive to always remaining in God's will. This was primary to him. Friends say they liked Walter though he seemed not to capitalize on his talents. One of them said, Walter had a number of skills he just never got around to using. I would often tell him, take a risk, try something new if you're not happy. But he was too afraid of letting the Lord down, end quote. Now, this story is a fictitious one, but could it be true? Could it be? Could someone go their whole life struggling and wondering and, and, and trying to consider whether or not they were on the right path? Again, this guy, this pastor Kevin DeYoung is in a, is in a, a church filled with college students. And he makes an observation about his congregation, which, which we might relate to. And he does, he has a little bit of humor here, so, so hear it as such, but there's a lot of truth. He says, many of us are exploring our, our future career at age 30. 
entering adulthood at 40, trying to find ourselves at 50, questioning everything again at 60, pondering a career move at 70, wondering what we were made for at 80, and still wanting to discover God's will at 90. And then we'll die. Having never done much of anything, he says, if we had done something, almost anything really, faithfully and humbly, and for God's glory for that time, we could have made quite an impact. But if we do nothing, because we are always trying to figure out the perfect something, when it comes time to show what we did for the Lord, we will not have anything. All right, so this is where I'm putting out there the to be continued. We'll pick back up here next week. We're going to look not only at this model that we are all familiar with, but we're going to look at another one called the wisdom model. And it's got some 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 insight for us to equip us, to give us assurance that we can move not only into 2016, but we can move into other years down the road making confident, wise decisions. There's a better way than simply I have a peace. There's a better way than simply I heard God say and some of the other statements that we sometimes will make. There is a different way. And we're going to be looking at that, Lord willing, next week. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who has a will. We thank you that you are a powerful God and that your plans come to fruition. And Father, we thank you that you are good and that we can trust you. And that we know that you are not playing games with our lives or our future. And that, Lord, we, as your followers, can be equipped. And we pray, Lord, for wisdom. You've even told us in your word that if we lack wisdom, to ask for it. And God, I know in our church today, there are people contemplating decisions. Some now and some that that may be on the horizon. And Lord, we pray that you would equip, that you would help us even next week as we further our study and consideration of your word, that we may be prepared to make decisions that honor you, decisions that allow us to, to be resolute. Help us, Lord, not to, to get stuck and to be paralyzed by the anxiety of a decision, but help us to place trust in you. And give us, Lord, the tools we need. Father, I pray for anyone that may be with us today who needs to make the decision to follow you. May this be a day in which they trust you to be Lord and Savior. May you do that work. May you speak to them, draw draw them to yourself. May you help them to make that first decision so that the others will be able to follow. God, we again just thank you for the truth of your word. We pray that you will continue to use it to help us live in a way of contrast to the world which is around us. May we be salt and light, and may we do it for your glory. God, we pray for the offering that's being received. We ask, Lord, for you to bless it and use it to further your work around the world, but even right here in our in our own back door where people are, are hurting and suffering. We pray for the victims of of the uh, recent flood and we we ask Lord that that you will help us to be involved in demonstrating your your love both in word and in deed 
We pray this in Christ's name. All of God's people said, Amen.